Okay, well, let's get into God's Word this morning. I want us to, I want to pray right here. Father, let your Spirit lead and guide us today as we receive your Word. Let it bring change to our hearts as we embrace it because your Word preached, the Logos Word preached, becomes rhema revelation when the Holy Spirit takes it and roots it into our lives. Let that happen in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'll announce the title in just a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, I want to read as we start the message today. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. This message is even different in my heart based on what just happened in Haiti. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, I, I want to read verse 7 just a little bit differently, and I want to read it like this. For we brought no thing, no thing into the world, and we can take no thing out of it. I have never heard anybody on their deathbed say to me, and I've stood at the deathbed of dozens, maybe more than dozens of people over 30-something years of pastoral ministry. I've never had any of them say, as they were facing eternity, I wish I had accumulated more things. I didn't have enough stuff in this life. Nobody's ever said that, I don't think. Certainly nobody that I've ever stood by their bed in their last moments of life. I want to I talk to you today, and we'll go as far as we can, probably be a two-part message. But the title today is, It's Time to Take Inventory. It's Time to Take Inventory. I know I've said this before, but I... I hope I'm not the only one seeing so many familiar passages of Scripture through a different lens during this pandemic. Fresh new revelation and application in a way that I, I've never known in my lifetime. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on things, not on stuff, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary. And will not go with us to heaven. But what is unseen is eternal. <clears throat> A very well known British missionary. Back in the 1800's by the name of C.T. Studd. Wrote a famous poem. That this line is going to be very familiar to you. When I quote the line out of this poem. Even though you've never heard that name C.T. Studd before. This is a line out of a very famous poem he wrote. Only one life, it soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
Now, I know many of you have heard that before as I have. Grew, I grew up hearing that, never really understood where it came from. Some of you have heard that and maybe thought it came from <laughs> Scripture. It was a poem written by this, How Relevant and Applicable to Us Today. I want to challenge you, folks. I want to challenge you to start living, if you haven't already, start living for eternity. The only things that matter are things related to eternity. They're not things at all. They're spiritual things, souls, if you will. We can take no thing with us out of this world, but we can take other people. We can take souls with us. Not things, but living souls. It's time for us to take inventory. Be willing to do a cleansing of your temple if necessary. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Be willing to look at some things and hit the delete button. Be willing to unfollow some people. Mm -hmm. Be willing to close some accounts. <laughs> Be willing to put some things out on the curb. <laughs> oh, here's one for you. Be willing to pay as you go. If it's truly valuable, be willing to wait for it and pay cash. You see, folks, it's not, it's not the big things that clutter our lives. It, it's not the big issues that distract us and cause us to compromise. The Bible talks about little foxes that spoil the vine. The little things we allow in that can shift our focus away from eternal things. I've recently been made aware of a lifestyle movement sweeping across America that is called minimalism. I'm sure some of you are also familiar with it. One of the offshoots of minimalism is this tiny house business, this tiny house craze. <clears throat> you see, and one of the foundations, and I'm not an expert on it, but as I've just looked into it, one of the foundations within minimalism and a minimalist lifestyle, one of their found, like foundational values are personal relationships as being non-negotiable to living a truly fulfilled life. Where other, many other things are considered variables, the minimalist believes that personal relationships are a non-variable. They are what make your life truly full and rich. I, I, I believe it's time for us to see that a walk of faith is described in script, Scripture as a minimalist walk. A life of faith is a minimalist life. At least it's supposed to be. We find it. We read just a few of the scriptures that support that. The walk of faith is a life where less really is more. <clears throat> it's a life where lower really is higher. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Go low and He will lift you up high. Following Christ is a life where loss really is gain. The Apostle Paul spoke of minimalism like this, Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, 
I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He goes on to say, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. The Apostle Paul said, I've gained a lot of things, a lot of stuff in this life. But when I came to Christ, I counted them all as loss. I turned away from them. I mean, even, he even put them in the category of garbage. If they're not eternal things, they're garbage. Man, that's extreme, but it's true. This life of faith is supposed to be a life where little really is much. Jesus says if we have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, that's pretty little. We can speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed and cast into the sea. That's much that is accomplished from such a little seed of faith. There's no mandate today against adding more stuff to your life. Just don't add people. That's what the mandate says. Don't add relationships. As a matter of fact, stop all personal relationships if you want to survive. If you can get enough stuff, you won't need people anymore. By all means, spend more time and money with Amazon, Walmart, Facebook, and Google. Get all the stuff you want and get it delivered to your doorstep in a day. Purchase power is the power of the day now. Whoever has the most stuff and has it sooner, that's what life in America has become. COVID-19 says to us, you'll have to find some other ways to be fulfilled since you cannot maintain personal contact with anyone anymore. You can't get fulfillment from relationships anymore. You'll need more stuff to be fulfilled and happy. So spin, spin, spend, and keep on buying, buying, buying so that you can be content during this pandemic. That's really what the quarantining and shut-ins and shutdowns and it's all about. Separate yourself from one another. Don't touch anyone ever again, some say, ever again if you want to stay healthy. One prominent voice in all of this has suggested publicly we will probably never be a handshaking society ever again. Never touch anyone ever again. We cannot spend time with people, the COVID police tell us. We cannot have personal relationships anymore. We can't even be with friends or even our own family members. So, what's left? We've got to get relationships with things, with stuff. Add more to your shopping cart. And our hearts turn from personal relationships, loving relationships, to relationships with things, with stuff, with smart devices. 
Let me just say that God has a way of touching the stuff that you've come to love. If your heart is like, God, I want to know you. I want to I, I serve you. I want to love you with all of my... Search me, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. And God's like, okay, I see some things in your temple that don't belong there. And he'll start putting his hand on them, touching the things that have cluttered your heart, crowded their way into your temple, trying to replace your first love. You see, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, listen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Let that sink in for a minute. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world. Now, you don't need a Greek dictionary to understand that. Everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In other words, John is, is, is defining everything of the world falls into these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. And then verse 17, the world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. My friend, we need to take inventory of our temples today. And if there is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life issues there, ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse those things of the world out of your heart. Those things of flesh and blood, of the temporary realm, of, of the natural world. After all, the world is one of three enemies that we have. I don't know, maybe somebody's in here and you thought our only enemy was the devil. No, he's not the only enemy. According to Scripture, the world is one of our enemies. And the systems of the world. Again, everything that is lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, lust, the pride of life. Folks, they're selling everything. To us that way. Everything. Everything is sold that if you don't get this product, you are going to die an untimely death. Everything. The newest thing I just saw recently was, uh, you know, no, no, more, no, no, no more bleach. That's, that's a poisonous chemical. No more bleach for disinfecting anything. You now need to use electrolyzed water. I'm like, probably a gimmick. Electrolyzed water. I'm like, it replaces bleach. It disinfects. Uh, there's always going to be something because the love of money is the root of all. It's all driven by money. You got to have the newest, the latest, the bestest. And you can't even trust reading reviews on things. Because the first review praised it. Five stars. The very next one, one star. The cheapest, most horrible, ridiculous scam I've ever gotten. You can't. Don't believe people. The world is our enemy, church. The world's not our friend. The things of the world are not our friend. 
Second enemy scripture tells us we have, this is getting real personal now, the flesh. Mm-hmm. The flesh, is your, your own flesh is your enemy. When not subjected to and submitted to the spirit of God in you. And then yes, the devil. Of course the devil is an, an enemy, one of three. The Apostle Paul gives that clear three-part definition of the first enemy I mentioned, the world, lust of the flesh. And, and understand something about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Uh, we limit lust to something sexual. But it is not just something sexual. Because lust means to set your heart upon to long for with deep desire. That's the literal definition of lust. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. I want it. I want the newest one. I want it now. It's better. It'll make me happy. My friend, things will never make you happy. Stuff, more stuff in the shopping cart will never make you happy. If Amazon could deliver it to your doorstep in five minutes, you still won't be happy. And it's coming to that. Because the world and the flesh say, that two days is too long. If I really want to be happy when I order that item, I need that thing in the same day. Well, now they're doing same day. And the flesh is never satisfied. The flesh cannot ever be content with stuff. Now the flesh is saying, same day, that ain't good enough. Get it to me in an hour. Then they'll start getting it to you in an hour and the flesh will scream, an hour, I've waited too long for this. I want it on my doorstep in five minutes. Let's see how they pull that off. <laughs> I don't know. Folks, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, getting it newer, quicker, faster, better, shinier, more expensive. These are unclean things that do not belong in our temples we must get them out. These things give place to that third enemy, the devil. These things give the devil access to your temple. These things block our prayers from being answered too. If ever I've read recently of an indictment against America, I found it in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 2. Verse 7 and 8, let this not be true of one of us, not one of us. It certainly is not true of this church, but it's true of this country. And here it is. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. Look at this. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their fingers have made. Mm. Let this never be true of you and I. I hope you don't love the work of your own hands more than you love God. Because the world and all that is in the world is the enemy of God. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. James tells us in James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Ooh, I don't know. The last list I ever want to be on is God's hit list. To be friends with the world, to have allegiances and loyalties with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Not eternal life, the pride of this temporary realm of life. I don't know, maybe somebody in here, you need to break up with the world today. You need to have a breakup. Break it off. Break off your courtship with the world, with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Cut any and all soul ties you have with the world. Redirect all your expectations onto Jesus. Fix your eyes upon the cross today. I pray that you and I will be able to cry out like David did. This world holds nothing for me. Nothing for me. Because remember, we're people of covenant. We are not people of COVID. We are people of covenant. We are people with a living hope inside of us, as Pastor Jamil reminded us last Sunday. We are people of eternity, for everything else will pass away. Stop spending your money. Stop spending your energy. Stop spending your time. Stop spending your talents on the things of the world rather than on eternal things. My friend, if I'm going to cry over something, let me cry over the suffering going on in Haiti right now. And it's time to stop crying over your own stuff. If I'm going to get upset about something, I should be upset about people who are lost and on their way to a literal hell burning with fire. If I'm going to wear myself out over something, let me wear myself out over eternal things. If I'm going to give my time to something, let me give my time to eternal matters. If I'm going to fight about something, let me fight about eternal things. If I'm going to suffer persecution, let it be over eternal things. If anybody is going to hate me, let them hate me because I love God and I love Him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let them hate me because all my loyalties are to Christ and Christ alone. Stop spending so much on temporary things and start investing in eternal things because I can tell you the dividends are out of this world. Do not store up for yourself, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, <clears throat> but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, Pastor, are you suggesting that it's wrong for us to have some nice things? <laughs> we shouldn't buy nice things? Well, let's let Jesus answer that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness and all the nice things that you need will be added unto you by God's hand. I've said it many times over the years and some of you are going to go, yes, I can remember hearing you say this, Pastor. 
I've said it many times. If you put God first, he'll put you first. If you put his desires first, he'll put your desires first. If you build his house, he'll build your house. Let's bring it right down to just practical living here for a moment. Could you give more to eternal things if you didn't have so many dot-com subscriptions to pay for every month? Hmm. If you didn't have two car payments and a boat payment every month? If you didn't have so many credit card payments? If you did more cooking at home and less eating out? No, I don't care. Well... Just asking. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to show us how in practical ways we can prioritize on eternal things. And our temples can be cleansed. See, here's an interesting thing. You've heard the story of Nehemiah. I've recently preached through it again. It's the foundation, the vision of Nehemiah. God called him back to Jerusalem, who was in exile, to rebuild the walls of the holy city. And, and, his, and the cry of the people when, it, when Nehemiah was called and sent was, let us rise up and build. That's how we, that was the foundation that Acts 2 was built upon over 30 years ago now. And the enemy came against them many times in that building process, in that building situation. One of the enemy's names was Tobiah. We've talked about and preached about that many times over the years. And Nehemiah, as he's in the project and the enemy's coming and Tobiah's leading the effort against the building. And now he's living there among the Jews. The high priest, it says this, the high priest in Nehemiah 13 verse 4, whose name was Eliashib, had been put in charge of all of the rooms of the house of God. He was closely associated with Tobiah. Now this is coming in chapter 13. Nehemiah doesn't know this. When Tobiah is coming against the building project, this has come later, and he's finding this out. And he, the priest, had provided him with a large room in the temple, the enemy of the people of God, where the grain offerings and incense and temple articles and the tithes and all should have been there, musicians, all the country. What a revelation in that moment came to Nehemiah right at the end of the building of the walls, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And skip on down to verse 7, and Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem. He had already completed the project and had gone, and had gone back home, which he wasn't yet at that time living in the uh, new Jerusalem with the walls being restored says he learned about the evil things the priest had done and providing Tobiah, their enemy, a room in the courts, in the temple of God. The enemy. I was greatly displeased, and then I love this, and I threw <laughs> all of his stuff out of the room. I gave orders to purify the rooms and then I put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incense. I'm asking the question today. Is your temple inside here cluttered with things of the world? There is that person you won't forgive and you've given them a place in the room. 
You've given them a place in the room. You see, this room, this temple, this space in here is the dwelling place of the spirit and presence of God himself. And when Nehemiah found out, the enemy had been given not just access, but a space to, to stay. Put his own stuff in there, in the temple. Because when I found it out, I threw it all out on the curb. Cleanse this holy place. Have you made allegiances, alliances with anything of the world? Allowing idols, other gods, little g, into the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Let's let the King's English speak to us right here from 2 Corinthians 6, 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Touch no unclean thing, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out, out, come out from among them. I grew up hearing pre pre preachers preach that that meant separate yourself from sinners. Come out from among those unclean people. Don't associate with sinners. How can you ever be light to a person in darkness if you don't associate with them. These, these verses never ever meant come out from among people, separate your... That's when you get in trouble, hello? That's how cults are born. No, come out from, come out from among them. The them is a reference to idols because he then goes on to say, touch no unclean thing, not unclean person. He started this by saying, what agreement is there between God's temple and idols? Paul is not accusing people of being an idol. He's accusing things. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, things. Separate from those things. I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and my daughters. I mean, we don't like to hear the word idol. We don't like to even imagine we have idols in our lives. But, but understand again, just like the definition of lust has been so abused and mi misdefined for so many uh, years, probably a few, well, probably for generations. What is an idol in God's sight? Any temporary thing that you've placed in your temple. Anything that comes before God in your life. Anything that takes your focus off of eternal things. When you place a temporary, worldly thing in your heart, in the place where the eternal God dwells, you have defiled your temple. And we've got to get those temporary things out of there. Get them out. Let Holy Spirit lead us and, and help us do a cleansing of, of the temple. Clean it out. Get the idols out. Get the temporary things out. Get the allegiances with the evil things out. Get the unclean things out for the temple of God in here is holy. It's holy. And I close with this in 1 John 5.21. Just listen. It records six of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. Little children, keep yourselves from 
idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Church, I, I challenge you by the Spirit. Take inventory today. Is there too much stuff in your temple? Are there allegiances with worldly things, things of the world, friendships, loyalties? Because to be a friend of the world and the things of the world is to be an enemy of God. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, let us cry as David did. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, any idol that I've allowed in through unforgiveness, through anger, <clears throat> through selfishness, through gossip, through greed. Lord, see if they're through just sin. Lord, I don't want any unclean thing in my temple. I, wanna, I want my life to be about eternal things. I want, my, I, want, I want my temple cleansed for your presence. Because, Lord, you're not going to just have a part of me. You're not, you're not going to have a part of my life. You're going to have my life or nothing at all. Lord, you don't get a piece of the pie. You get the whole pie. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own anymore. So, Lord, cleanse our temples today. <clears throat> Lord, I can only do that for myself. Each one of us have to do that for our own selves by the power of your Holy Spirit, the conviction of your Spirit. And we lay things down. Lord, we embrace a minimalist life. And to lose your life, to lose is to find it, your word says. Less truly is more in Jesus. And Lord, relationships matter. They matter for eternity because some of them we take into eternity with us. But we are not people of COVID. We are people of covenant. And we will walk together, serve together, pray together, worship together build relationship, make relationships, touch lives that need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us and you said, children, legitimate sons and daughters, I rebuke sometimes, I correct sometimes, I bring discipline to sometimes. That's how you know I love you. You, you, you bring us back when we veer off. You say, um, this is in my space. you got to get this out. This is a temporary thing. This is something of the world. I, I'm not, uh, not going to have that. And we, we confess and repent and turn from it. Cleanse our temples today, Holy Spirit. Because we want to always lift up clean hands and holy hands before you in worship. You have placed eternity in our hearts, your word says. Let us fix our eyes upon eternal things and never look away 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can be dismissed.